Roger that, Houston. All systems five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to episode 144 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are John Carbon, Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson, and Chandler. And I'm Hazel Chandler. On today's show, it is buff or bluff time. Can we work out the manufactured lies from today's lineup of entertainment facts? Plus, as Halloween is just around the corner, we'll be discussing some of our horrifying movie experiences, including one recent hell-raising experience. So let's start the show. Hellraising, you say? Did you like my little segue? It was seamless. Hmm. So, something phenomenal happened last week. <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> is a strong word. <laughs> uh, something happened last week. Something happened last week. I went to the cinema and bore witness to a John film. It wasn't Mandy, it was Hellraiser though. And um, I lived to tell the tale. All right. Okay. Which Hellraiser? Because there are lots, and also a reboot, maybe. Oh, is there more than one, John? There's eleven, I believe. Yes. So, which one did you go and see together? The original 1987 Hellraiser, where um, hell is raised for the first time, I assume. I actually liked it. I thought it was a good film. Really? Yeah. Genuinely. What did you like about it? Uh, The 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 things. No, I like the the visual effects were in some cases terrible, but in other cases good. There was good makeup and creature design and some good effects. It was good and creepifying in, in the right way, but it had some actual characters in it. Not incredibly amazing characters that I must have a poster of on my wall, but I particularly liked the character of Julia, who I now realize is probably irrelevant to mention when we've not discussed the plot. Shall I summarize? Hmm. Um, hell is raised. there's a creepy puzzle box and it summons uh demons from a sex dimension to come do terrible things i think that's what it was about john it's kind of a a world where pleasure and pain are intermingled as one oh that's why you like it something like that anyway Mm -hmm. so uh, how much pleasure and how much pain what was the ratio that you got out of this film i think i got uh, a ratio of uh, four pleasures to three pains excellent mild recommendation this this freaky box right and uh, there's a guy called frank who gets the freaky box and then whoops he gets torn apart by chains oh dear and then he's a big puddle of blood on the floor and then um he's being tortured in a hell dimension and then he comes back and his former lover that's julia is the former lover um, has to kill so that frank can be kind of regenerated and shenanigans ensue, uh, the big musical number at the end, and everyone has sex. <laughs> There's a promising young woman kind of prequel where she lures pervy men back to the flat and then hits them on the head with a hammer and feeds them to a monster in the attic. Oh, I might be in. Mm. <laughs> no, Julia's actually the best character in the whole thing because uh, she has moral conflict about it. She's um, in love with Frank, but she, she doesn't want to kill, but she's implored to do so, and she feels bad about it, but she has a slippery slope kind of descent into evil. But you see all the emotions racked on her face as, as she's um, doing these things and struggling with it. And after she kills the first time, it becomes easier, but not easy. And then eventually her husband, Larry, is in Frank's sights and tries to save Larry and and shenanigans ensue. I have questions for John. Yes. Firstly, did you provide a commentary for Andy throughout his viewing <laughs> experience? I did not. I, I did a little squee when it started. 
Okay. Did you warn him in any way of what he was letting himself in for? No. He's never mentioned it on the podcast before, I don't think. Were you proud of him for watching it all the way through? Yes. How many of the 4,324 sequels do you plan to actually watch? Well, I've heard that Hellraiser 5 is surprisingly (laughs) good. Surprisingly a relative to him. Um, Hellraiser 2 is a direct sequel to the first one and um, follows some of the same characters, and that might be interesting. So I might watch 2 and 5. Probably won't, though. (laughs) John, there was something that uh, you did to mark the occasion as well, didn't you? Um, Louis made Andy a Hellraiser friendship bracelet, so he's now part of (laughs) Club Hellraiser. You have one as well. I do, yes. So you can go out together and drinking and wear your little friendship bracelet. Are you both wearing your friendship bracelet? We're not not friends anymore. (laughs) No, we only wear it when we're going out to experience pleasure and playing. (laughs) (laughs) And if you'd like to join John's Hellraiser club... Send in a visual proof of you watching Hellraiser. Okay. With a suitable expression on your face. (laughs) And uh, fully clothed, please. (laughs) Optional. And Andy, what would you like to give or say to John to say thank you for this experience? I can't find adequate words to express how I feel about the Hellraiser experience, but I have a gift John, oh. um, and I'd like to present it now, which is good for <laughs> an audio podcast. These are some Hellraiser socks, which have some spikes in the toes. Yep. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> thank, you, thank you very much. They only had one size, so hopefully they'll fit. They, they, look, they, like, they look like my feet will, feet will definitely fit in there. They suit sizes five to ten, but if that doesn't work for you, maybe Louise will wear them. I thought you said it was a sex demon, not a socks demon. Oh. <laughs> um, I was saying sock the entire time. Get your mind out the gutter. So with Halloween around the corner, we've got lots of... Yeah, that corner just there. Sorry, Dan. Oh, You're closest. <laughs> Halloween, Halloween's <laughs> right behind me. <laughs> it's Mike Myers. Um, there's lots of uh, vintage films coming into the cinema, lots of newer ones. Mm. Is there any horror films that we'd like to see in the cinema? What would about one of our favourite? My Halloween tradition is what we do in the shadows because I'm a wimp and that I can cope with. <laughs> so it, we might do some sort of pumpkin carving or some relative Halloween activity, but what we do in the shadows will more often than not be on on the 31st of October. Our Halloween activity this year is we are going to see Garth Marenghi in, at the stand. Very nice. In terms of films, it's always the, it got to be The Exorcist. It's 50th anniversary yeah. is it this year. And it is back in cinemas. As well, so um, like a 4K restoration. Yeah, I fancy watching that. I have seen it once before, but not for a long time. I don't think I've seen The Exorcist all the way through. I think I'd like to go and see it in a cinema so that I can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> you know cinemas have doors. I know. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of horror films that um, I don't have to watch now, having uh, watched them for the first time quite recently, uh, including Dario Argento's uh, Suspiria, and um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was horrifying, but in a good way. Um, I, I, horror just isn't really my genre, but um, I do have an appreciation for these films. Mm-hmm. I absolutely would not have been able to watch them um, when I was younger. Uh, I would have run screaming from the room and then claimed, no, I'm not scared. They're just stupid films. Yeah. What did you enjoy and not enjoy about um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Um it's at its best, and I think maybe most or all horror films are at their best um, at the quiet, tension-filled moments mm-hmm. before Definitely. The, mm-hmm. the thing actually happens, before someone gets hit over the head with a big hammer and dragged into a room. It was very tense and really creepy, and uh, I'm never going to Texas. I love the, um, <laughs> the, the soundtrack as well, clanging of the metal and the mm. screaming. Yeah. 
I was going to ask, what do you think is the best horror score of all time? We did a horror quiz last week, mm-hmm. and they had a round where they played soundtracks for all the different horror movies. They're almost indistinguishable. <laughs> yeah. We did put John Carpenter for a lot of yes, them, I remember. Yeah. yeah. But it, no, it, I, it is the Exorcist theme that yeah. comes into my head first. Tubular bells. Halloween for me. Yeah, um, I quite like the Nightmare on Elm Street one. I think mm-hmm. as a, a more traditional kind of horror score. Well, at the quiz, I recognised um, the uh, soundtrack to Godzilla, which I've never actually thought of as a horror film yeah. before, but it, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's a monster film. But... Are monster films horror films? They are designed to scare mm-hmm. the viewer, which is, I guess, what a horror film is trying to do. Yeah. I think one of my earliest horror film kind of memories is of going into the local video shop Mm -hmm. to pick out something to watch for the weekend. And on the main wall of the video shop, you would have all of the cases Mm -hmm. for the horror films and they were all 18 rated and I'm seven or eight and I'm not not John, so I didn't watch them. (laughs) Uh, But you'd see the case for something like seven or friday the 13th and your kid imagination would just go into overdrive of how scary and terrifying Mm. these movies must actually be if the video cover is that scary (laughs) what must the film be like it actually took me a long time to be brave enough to watch seven just because of how scary the video cover was a lot of the 80s video horrors though the, the the cases were much more exciting than the films contained within and once you opened the box of seven what did you find? <laughs> it was Paltrow's head for some reason. No. Yeah, spoilers. All right. Well, let's buff or bluff and let's start with you, Dan, because I think you have a spooky one for us. I have. I'll just quickly introduce the concept just in case this is the, someone's first time listening to oh, us. hello, first time listeners. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> so it is buff or bluff time. So we have all prepared three facts. However... We've made one of them up. So can we work out the lies? Dan, let's have your spooky buffer bluff first. Okay, my buffer bluff is about the scariest, most horrifying film I've ever seen and possibly that has ever existed. And I am talking about... Home Alone? Babe. Dracula, dead or loving it. <laughs> Superman 3. <laughs> All viable options, but it's 1985's Return to Oz. Oh, oh fuck that. So no. scary. <laughs> You know it then? I, yes. Yeah. I saw it in the cinema and oh, like... That explains so much. So, yeah. Oh dear. What the fuck was that pumpkin about? Oh. <laughs> what the fuck were the wheelies about? Yeah. Yeah. I've, not, I've not seen this. Oh, it's a, okay. It's but, Well, for Andy, very quick general plot recap as much as I can remember because I am not watching that again. <laughs> so after her journey in The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy is suffering from depression so gets taken to a lunatic asylum for electroshock therapy. Fun. She and her talking chicken get transported back to Oz. Sounds wacky. Where the yellow brick road has been smashed to pieces, Emerald City's in ruins and the Cowardly Lion's been turned to stone. Some demented Starlight Express types with wheels on their arms called the Wheelers uh, are running the place like some warriors gang. Why? She teams up with a guy with a massive pumpkin for a head, uh, a mechanical guy called TikTok, and something called the Gump, which is a moose's head on a sledge oh, yeah. who just wants to die. And they tr- was this just a bad dream, Dad? <laughs> I, I wish actual. So film. true. Uh, they go to a palace of someone called Ozma, I think, where she's got thirty disembodied heads screaming about traumatic memories in a hallway. And there's rooms where if you touch the wrong object, you get turned into an object forever. And a giant stop motion thing called the Gnome King. Uh, It does all work out and there are medals and things and all of our friends from the first film in psychotic 
non-moving animatronic puppety ways turn up to wish her well. <laughs> Hellraiser sounding a bit better now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a horrifying film, and here are three facts. I think about... it's on Disney Plus if anybody wants to watch it. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Hmm. So, as, as John suggested there, Return to Oz is a Disney film, but they had to pay royalties to MGM for using the ruby slippers in the film as they were not in the original Oz novels they were invented for the 1930s movie. Number two. The original cut of Return to Oz was somehow even more dark and terrifying than what I've just <laughs> described, and the studio demanded it was toned down before they'd release it. So the version we can see is that, inverted commas, lighter cut. Yeah. And number three, Return to Oz was the directorial debut for Walter Murch. After Return to Oz, he never directed another movie. Oh, because he's more normally a cinematographer, isn't he? Mm-hmm. he? He was known as a sound designer and an editor. Oh, he did primarily. A Apocalypse Now, I think he edited... Things like that, yeah. I thought it was going to be because he was imprisoned for his crimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to back away for this because I know two of them are true. I do know that the the slippers were changed because they weren't uh, they weren't going to be red, but it was just changed it so they showed up better in colour. I can, I can believe that they weren't in the book. I'm not sure about mm-hmm. the royalty. I can believe that that kind of thing happens. Um, if you want to uh, use any. Um, Winnie the Pooh stuff, then only some of it is yeah. in um, yeah. the public domain and can be turned into Winnie, blood and honey. Winnie the Blue, blood and honey was a copyright tight rope, I believe. I, I just heard Winnie the Blue and I thought, oh, God, yeah. someone's doing a porn parody. <laughs> <laughs> they are, aren't they? Bouncy, bouncy, went I mean, tigger. How much darker can you get than what we actually saw? Not all the friends made it out. Right, okay. She's saying there's a lion's rug on the... In the palace at the end. <laughs> Covering the gump. <laughs> In my memory, the gump just go, please kill me. Why was I made like this? Could you remind me of the third one? Yeah, uh, Walter Murch, the director, made his directorial debut with Return to Oz, and he never directed another film afterwards. Do you know why? It could be trauma, but primarily it's because as peter mentioned he has other behind the scenes mm-hmm. roles which he's really famous for. and if you make return to oz i mean where do you go from there mm. he was famously a massive flop as well wasn't it it didn't do well yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> oh they all sound annoyingly plausible mm, i'm going to go with the film originally being darker than it was i don't don't know how much darker you'd get and i imagine to release it in that version would have been, meant some interesting discussions with the studio. Yeah, I'm going to go with maybe being light and they, um, and they and more dark. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Hazel. I reckon if it is insane as, as it was, then if they were going to lighten it up from something darker, they would have done yet further lightning than they did. For no particular reason I can justify, I'm going to go for Walter Murch. Okay. I'm. Well, you know. I know. I think yeah. I I think there's famously, if you go and see a panto of the Wizard of Oz, you don't get the ruby slippers because they're owned by MGM. Mm. So whilst I don't specifically know that they paid royalties to MGM, I know that the ruby slippers are a thing that are copyrighted, Mm -hmm. and I know Walter Murch never directed anything again. So I'm going to go for number two. You are correct. Yeah. And yes, Hazel, there is no way to make Return to Oz darker and more terrifying than it already is. Yeah. Um, so other, yes. other than murdering the audience. 
Yeah, Walter Murch never directed another film. His only other directing credit is a single episode of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. It's one of the darkest stories in The Clone Wars. It's about a Jedi general who just sacrifices wave after wave of clone soldiers because he considers them dispensable. And it's part of the overall theming of the series of the Jedi slowly being corrupted and properly dark and a little bit scary tonally and visually as well. So it's quite a good fit based on his previous directing. And I did find a story in researching this Buffer Bluff that suggests that the Star Wars prequels might not have happened if it was not for Return to Oz. So this is, this is the story according to Hollywood.com. So Walter Murch, friends with George Lucas, and one day he invited George to come to the set. While George was there, he wandered off and ended up meeting the producer Rick McCallum on a different soundstage. George and McCallum became friends. McCallum ends up producing the 1997 special releases of Star Wars, and then later goes on to be instrumental in the creation of the prequels. They should have nuked that film set. <laughs> we all would have been safer. Yeah. Should be imprisoned for his crimes. Uh, Walter Murch is also famous, I think, as an editor for noting that really good actors blink at the time that's the right point for an edit to happen ah. without realising. Interesting. That's just lazy editing. Oh, if <laughs> someone did a blink, I'll just cut that. Yeah. Well, one thing that didn't blink was the scarecrow in Return to Oz because the animatronics couldn't work on his head, so he's just motionless the entire time he's on screen. Much like Jack Pumpkinhead, voiced by Brian Henson, son of Jim. Oh. Yeah. Don't pay to watch it, but it's interesting just to... It's interesting. It's one of those things where you go like, how the hell did this get through so many people and nobody at any point said stop? Yeah, if you want a true horror for Halloween, Return to Oz would be my pick for you. Yeah. Neil Gaiman is a big fan. He calls it one of the best fantasy films ever made. Mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro is a big fan. So, you know, people who are into their more horrifying side of fantasy... I do approve. Is it for is a bulk? Yeah. For, yes. I, I mean, I was slightly getting confused with Labyrinth for some reason, even yeah. though that's a very different Very movie. different film. Similar but, time though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Again, in my research, Belina the Talking Chicken, voiced by the same person who did Hoggle in Labyrinth. Yeah. Played what? by 40 real chickens. One more fact, Faruza Bulk did very well to be cast in the role because the likes of Drew Barrymore were also in contention to play Dorothy in the film, Alanis Morissette auditioned, which probably would have been ironic. Oh, oh, I knew he was going there. Yeah. I'm out of facts now, sorry. <laughs> I have a film um, that was meant for kids, but is incredibly dark and scary. So okay. maybe I'll go on from there. Uh, released slightly earlier, 1971, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, no. oh okay. The original. Very, yes. Gene Wilder, the original. Lumpa, lumpa, doo Hazel's got a buffer bluff for you. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm not going to do the dance for you like Hugh Grant. Mm. Okay. Number one, the film was largely financed by the Quaker Oats Company. The company bought the rights to the book and funded the movie with the intention of promoting their soon to be released Wonka bars. Mm. Number two. If you watch the film closely, you'll notice that Veruca Salt's hair changes length throughout the film. Sometimes it's quite long, sometimes it's a bit shorter, and sometimes it's quite a bit shorter than that. This is because the actor, Julie Dawn Cole, during a period of downtime, thought she'd try Violet Beauregard's trick of putting gum behind her ear while she ate her meals. The gum became caught in her hair, hair and makeup couldn't hide it, so they kept having to cut her hair to try and get it out. Oh, that's like Lisa Simpson in that one episode. (laughs) Number three. Uh, the ten Umpa Lumpers were frequently drunk by the end of the day's filming. <laughs> yeah. 
Once they gathered the entire cast shoes from the hotel they were all staying at because they'd left them out to be shined, they tied the order laces together and left them in a giant pile to be discovered the next morning. I like that. Mm. That's some jolly mischief. Isn't it? They're not my shoes. So <laughs> I don't mind that happening. Ooh. The Quaker Oats. Wonkabars are a real thing. They, they, they have existed. They have. But they don't, don't exist they anymore. At the okay. time. And there was a Wonka candy company in the 90s that did like nerds and things yes. like that. And... Yeah, that's a division of Nestle. But would they have owned the rights to the book? You would have thought you would license that. You wouldn't normally buy the rights to the book and then try and arrange a movie to be made. And were these oaty bars or were they just chocolate? Chocolate. And... Chocolate Wonka bars. They don't just make oats. I've, I've yeah. got a vague memory of Quaker Oats being involved in it somehow. So that rings a bell. Mm. Was it that scene in the film where Gene Wilder takes them all to the Quaker Oats room? <laughs> and, because the, and, you and, and nothing these are go, tasty. Nothing goes wrong and they all have a lovely time. <laughs> so plausible. Possibly more so than Veruca Salt getting gums stuck in her hair and then all the citizens of Springfield mm. using different methods to <laughs> get rid of it. Yeah. Peanut butter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Freeze with ice cubes, mm. hit it with a hammer. Um, <laughs> I was surprised you didn't go for the fact, although it might be too well known, that the book is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but they changed the title Yeah, because yeah. it was during the Vietnam War, I think. Or oh, Charlie was used oh. for the... Ah. Charlie Don't Surf. Mm-hmm. I then, didn't know that was why. I thought it was just he was the most known character. No, it was, yeah, no, it was for that reason. Ah, okay. Huh. And also, Willie is a funny word. <laughs> As is Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> um and then the third one, mischievous umpalumpas. Yeah, he was uh, drunk. I totally most believe days. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were a right little git. <laughs> However, I'm wondering whether this is in fact a tale of the Munchkins from Wizard yeah. of Oz, and it's been transplanted to a different film in a fiendish Ooh. buff or bluff twist yeah. by Hazel. I was about to say oh. that because the Munchkins were famous for their misbehaviour on the set. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. Carrie Fisher and Chevy Chase make a film about that? They yes. did under the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Mm. We've returned to Oz again. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. So mm. I'm going to go for the uh, the chewing gum. I will say the Quaker one because it's the one I think is true the most <laughs> and therefore might not be. <laughs> I'm going to go for chewing gum because it sounds oh. too familiar. And now that you've said that Veruca Salt's hair length changes, I think I can remember that. And you may have just implanted that in my mind via Inception. Um, but I'm going to go We do for... sleep next to each other. Yeah. It would be easy to do. <laughs> Just Are you asleep? Get your totem out, Andy. Pilot's hair is shorter. It's Veruca. Wake up. <laughs> I'm going to go for Quaker Oats. Okay, so two for Quaker Oats, two for chewing gum. All right. Well, uh, the one you didn't choose, the Umpa Lumpa story is very true. They were hired from British and Turkish circuses and they were notorious for causing alcohol-infused mischief behind the scenes. Excellent. The director talked them. about this on a Reddit AMA. Quaker Oats financing the movie is true. Mm. It uh, didn't, doesn't look like their investment paid off because uh, when the Wonka bars came out, there was a problem with the formulation. They had to be pulled from the shelves, so it wasn't entirely... Oh. Worth it. People the ate them. <laughs> People ate them and just flew up into yeah. blades. Yeah. yeah, got attacked by squirrels. <laughs> the Wonka bars did come out, uh, as you say, in the nineties, but they were discontinued in January twenty ten due to poor sales. I don't think you'd be able to do that now, would you? Would you be able to make a Wonka bar now? Or would it fall foul of advertising junk food to children? Could they make one in conjunction with the new Wonka film? As part of a tie-in. I watched the trailer to that and 
There's very few films I want to see less. Same, it looks terrible. The Bluff is number two. Peter, you said it sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether I've ever told this story. Guess, <laughs> guess which six-year-old child <laughs> did put gum behind their ear because they loved this film and had to have a bowl haircut for six months afterwards. What, 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 what was it, Andy? This girl, yeah. <laughs> My mother was absolutely furious and banned me from ever chewing gum again wow that's amazing so yes it was that was me it it became like a um a thing i desired most in life (laughs) so i used to kind of like when are my parents not around and can i make it to the shop and back and Um, and then your parents came back i need to hide this gum somewhere (laughs) (laughs) not again (laughs) um veruca salt's hair does change length in the film that is true but it was because of split ends excellent buffing and bluffing on the subject of Roald Dahl people get upset about the idea of his stories being rewritten does anyone know that he himself rewrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because the original version was deeply 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 fucking racist yeah I mean because the umplumpers were just um, pygmies pygmy tribal people who had been stolen from Africa and then he rewrote it I believe um, the studio making the film didn't want to have that Mm -hmm. shit in their film so they said can we change that and then he did as well so if you're upset about people changing Roald Dahl stories he did it himself shut the fuck up also he's a horrible man but well yes has anyone watched the new things on Netflix the Wes Anderson directed. No. no. They're actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're very Wes Anderson style. At least two of them are creepily dark. But uh, yeah, it's worth a look. If, certainly if you like Wes Anderson. Thing. And it's a very small repertory cast of characters with Bendik Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, and a couple of others who just recur in all the stories. Well, and Rafe Fiennes is amazing as a rat catcher in one of them. I've watched um, two thirds of his version of Fantastic Mr. Fox and it made me so angry it gave me energy. <laughs> um, no, I, I will not watch those. It's You'd probably yeah, move on. American, I think. Eddie Izzard would be a really good Willy Wonka. Oh, ah. yeah, she would be. Right, who's next? Another thing that we are getting very soon is we're getting a new series of Doctor Who with Russell T. Davis uh, back in charge. And as part of that, as a special treat on the BBC, for the first time, all of Doctor Who is going to be in the same place. I think on the 1st of November, there's going to be a a special section of the iPlayer with about 800 episodes of Doctor Who and loads of behind-the-scenes stuff and things like that. Ian's never going to leave the house. He's not. It's a a very nice birthday present for him. (laughs) So it's going to be a chance for everybody to catch up on most of the original Doctor Who other than the ones that have been wiped by the BBC in there infinite wisdom so doctor who over the years has had some very great and creative monsters uh, often on a very limited budget so there was a lot of tin foil and immobile masks and men with fake plastic heads on but normally they were quite interesting and imaginative some of them however were absolute shite so these are three of the worst doctor who monsters ever created one of which i have made up is this worse by subjective opinion or... My subjective opinion. Your subjective opinion. But there may have been some looking at internet polls of the worst okay. creatures and so on. Number one, the Ticklars. These were a Patrick Troughton a monster and there were giant bugs with eight arms but that would take on a humanoid form and copy the appearance of children's relatives and then tickle them to death. <laughs> No. Mary Whitehouse complained about the episode <laughs> as being too terrifying to be shown on TV and subsequent showings were edited. Number two, the Candyman. 
the Candyman is not the Willy well, Wonka well, well, character. Don't say, it one, don't say it one more time. Who can take a song? Yeah. I was just thinking. That <laughs> you said it twice. The Candyman can. I said Candyman. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, goodbye hearing. <laughs> the the Candyman wow. was a, <laughs> uh, a giant monster. Sorry, lost count. <laughs> <laughs> the Candyman <laughs> was... Fuck's sake. <laughs> you know when you said we had a certain amount of time left? <laughs> the Candyman. <laughs> it was actually with a K, so it's slightly different. Um, the Candyman was a giant monster made out of sweets, various licorice all sorts, who looked like the Bertie Bassett from the licorice all sort box. Um, he would go around killing people in various sweet-inspired ways, including his... Fondant surprise, which was <laughs> molten liquid fondant forced into people to kill them. Yes, yes, forced please. Forced into them how? The creators of Licorice All Sort threatened to sue the TV show for stealing the Bertie Bassett character. Finally, Irato, the creature from the pit. This was a massive creature that lived in a pit which Doctor Who was forced to go down into the pit and confront. Unfortunately, due to the special effects, the creature looked like a giant ball sack with a <laughs> proboscis on the front that resembled nothing more than a penis. So basically, the Doctor faced a giant cock and balls. In one scene, Tom Baker tried to communicate with the creature by essentially blowing into its penis, looking to all the world like he's sucking off a giant green cock and ball. Wow. And all these episodes are now available to watch on iPlayer. They are. Mm. Oh, so which ones do we want to be true? I know for a fact one of them is true. Only one? Is it yeah. cock and balls? I won't say. Tickling? They're ticklars. Ticklars. Yeah. I mean, that's very silly, but then they all are, aren't they? I feel that could be true. Let's use the approach of which one sounds like John made it up. John has mentioned um, the dear, insane um, Mary Whitehouse on the podcast before. Has John been eating a lot of licorice all sorts recently? Because that could have given him an idea. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that I'm thinking John made up. Mm. Death by chocolate. I do want to know how was the fondant forced into people? <laughs> through, a, through a hose. Through a hose, through? Through the mouth, I believe. Mouth, okay. <laughs> it's a children's show. <laughs> yes, the cock and balls, clearly. <laughs> Takes that. Um, I mean, uh, if we just look at it from the perspective of which one would John make up, it's clearly the cock and balls obviously, one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. That theory steered me wrong on a couple of occasions with Buff or Bluff recently. I'd like mm. to make it clear it, it wasn't a cock and balls. It just looked like <laughs> a cock and balls. Yeah. <laughs> but I imagine there'll be lots of like internet discussions around mm -hmm. phallic like. John's denial makes it more inclined to believe that it's true, that he's made it up. I think I'm going to go with um, uh, Death by Chocolate. The Candyman. Mm-hmm. He mixes it with love and makes the Sammy world Davis taste good. Sammy Davis Jr. wanted that role, but didn't get it. Didn't have a hook for the hand. It's, uh, it's cock and balls for me. <laughs> Candyman. Oh, just to be different, I'm going to go for the Ticklars because it's an exceptionally shit name. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that shit when I came up with it this morning. Oh. <laughs> Andy oh. is correct. Oh. The Ticklars did not take the form of children's relatives and they tickle them to death. <laughs> that was too creepy even for Doctor Who. The Candyman is uh, a particularly disappointing monster. That's the one I'm guessing you, you, yes, you yeah, knew was true. For sure. 
from this. Uh, and it um, is almost literally Bertie Bassett. Yeah, from the Sylvester McCoy era. And the... Uh, Iratu or something? Iratu. Uvavu. <laughs> what was real. Um, I'm sure Peter will put these on the Twitter account or our social media, but here is a picture of the Candyman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it does look like that Bertie Bassett. Yeah. Del- Sue their asses off. Looks delicious. Yeah. <laughs> The internet has, of course, memed Iratu, the creature from the pit. <laughs> so here is a version with the non-original soundtrack. After his previous experience, the Doctor approached the thing with the utmost caution and thoughtfully sucked it off. Oh, <laughs> oh <Yep>. my God. <laughs> I was not prepared. <laughs> That's it. He was trying to communicate with it. <laughs> right. Let's move on very quickly. That is a form of communication. One way of getting its attention, that's for I sure. I guess so. It wasn't actually a baddie. It was a, you thought it was a baddie, but it had just actually been imprisoned in the pit by the real baddie. Misunderstood, cock and balls. He was. Circumcised, as it were. <laughs> Circumcised by circumstance. <laughs> right. Do I go next? Mm-hmm. I have three facts on Alfred Hitchcock. Number one. He had an itchy cock. <laughs> Number one. For his last two days of shooting in New York for North by Northwest, Hitch had parts of Grand Central closed, but his star, Cary Grant, lost his voice. On the first day, they shot all the big crowd scenes and cut some dialogue that had been planned, but by the second day, he was still unable to speak. So for the scene at the ticket office, Grant had to mime the words while the production assistant read out his lines, and they dubbed them in afterwards. Hmm. Hmm. Number two. He only shot one musical. 1934's Waltzes from Vienna about Johann Strauss composing the Blue Danube. He chucked out all the songs written for the original stage show and considered it one of the worst movies of his career, and he never made another musical picture. Number three. Hitch was banned from shooting at Disney. He wanted to film scenes at Disneyland for a movie, but Walt said he would not allow the maker of that disgusting movie, Psycho, to shoot a foot of film there, and the project was shelved. Mm. Disney getting a bit high and mighty there. Yeah. When did he's the one who did Return from Oz for a start? Mm-hmm. When did Walt Disney die? Sixty six. Okay. Clickety click for our bingo playing fun. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly, we watched North by Northwest last night. It's as if you knew. Mm. And there was a scene at Grand Central. There very there was. much it's been was. a while since I've seen it. So that's yeah, fine. big crowd scene. And there was a scene at the ticket office. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he's trying to get a, a, a bedroom on the train. The Grand Central, he uses these sort of phone booths there, but those yep. those actually weren't shot there anyway. They did those in California. It wasn't those mm. bits, it was the ticket Extra office research. bit. Extra mm. um, research. Location shooting in, what, 58? 59. 59. You'd have probably needed to re-record a lot of the dialogue anyway. Yeah. Mm. They did a really good job of it. I don't recall anything looking yeah. out. Or Peter's a liar. Yeah, I think Dan, Dan makes a very good point. Um, those scenes probably needed ADR anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the Disney. Psycho's not a disgusting movie. I know there's lots of... There's a toilet in it. There is a toilet in it. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's, there's lots of furore at the time, but I thought like, critically it was received quite well. I'm not sure it was at the time. Did it not? It was received well, but it was quite but, controversial. I did read an interesting fact about Psycho, which was that... He waived his usual fee of $250,000 and instead got uh, like a percentage mm-hmm. as a result, which he earned $15 million instead. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That was a good choice. Very was good the, choice. 
the, try, the trying to get it made was the subject of that film where Anthony Hopkins Hitch, played him. Was it? No, that was Will Smith, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. I can imagine Walt not wanting him to film at Disneyland, but I'm not sure whether any narrative films were allowed to film at Disneyland. Mm. Especially because... It'll have been, it, Disney movies. it might well have been tied up in a contract with ABC who had a Disneyland TV show through the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. So mm. even contractually, it might not have been allowed. So that's, that's plausible, but maybe not for that reason. Has anyone seen the horror film that was made? Um, I've gone blank on the title, but somebody oh, basically... shot secretly. It's in Disney World, so they sneaked in with cameras and, and shot a horror film whilst the park was open. Mm. Um, musicals. Was the um, the fact that he only made one? Yes. Well, that might be true. I, yeah. don't, I can't name more than one. No. I know that's a film he definitely made. Yeah. He did a lot of stuff in different genres a little bit in sort of in his early career as he was. Mm-hmm. And what, 34, did you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, so musicals not that long after sound came mm-hmm. in would have been a good way to cash in on a film you'd get a job directing a musical yeah and they'd have been a popular I read genre. he was really reluctant to do it and um, that one he really wasn't keen he considered it's one of his worst films mm. right I think I'm gonna go for Cary Grant uh, losing his voice mm-hmm. because of the reason of probably having to record ADR anyway yeah so that reason mm-hmm. the fact was mainly about miming it I'm gonna go for Disney as am I Cary Grant please okay he was banned from shooting at Disney, mm. and that was his only musical. So, yeah, I made up the one about Cary Grant. But Hitch actually was the first known instance of dubbing one person's voice with another, because he made one of the very early talkies, Blackmail, and they sh- switched halfway through production and made it a talkie halfway through. So he reshot some stuff, but they had a problem that the female lead had quite a strong Czech accent. So they ended up having to replace her voice with someone else. But at the time, you couldn't dub things afterwards. So what they actually had is literally someone on set talking into a microphone, mouthing the words at the same time as the actor being filmed was saying the lines. So she'd she'd mime the words and someone off stage was doing it. It's very like the sort of improv dumbing game. Mm. Oh, (laughs) not the way we do it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right, Andy, what have you got? Uh, Well, with Halloween approaching... um, Ah. (laughs) <laughs> just around that corner Dan no, no, keep an eye on it Candyman um, uh, I'm going to give you three films in which Dracula is an actor <gasps> Dracula gets a job as an actor oh, because okay. there's lots yep. of Dracula films and there's lots of overlap with really stupid stuff only one of them is fake sadly number one Dracula and Son from 1976 <laughs> wow Christopher Lee plays the Count once again he and his son Ferdinand are driven away from their Transylvania castle by communists They travel west where Dracula becomes a horror movie star and Ferdinand a security guard trying to forge a normal, non-vampiric life for himself. They come into conflict with each other as they both become interested in Nicole, an attractive young advertising executive who wants to cast Dracula in a TV ad for toothpaste. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, tender Dracula. Peter Cushing is an actor who is tired of playing Dracula in a long-running TV series and wants to become a romantic leading man. He is visited in his spooky castle by two scriptwriters and their girlfriends who try to convince him to stick with horror. Over the course of the night, they begin to suspect that he may actually be a real vampire. 
at the end of the film, there's an orgy, and then the castle is set on fire and takes off into space. What, what year was this? Wait, what? <laughs> Things just escalated very quickly. <laughs> it did, right? That was 1974. This turned into the Rocky Horror Show all of a sudden. Um, it was a shameful gap, sorry. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> 1974, that was. Uh, Dracula and Son was 76, and number three is from 1973, and it's Dicula. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. John Carradine plays an older Count Dracula, befuddled by the fast pace of the modern world and struggling to enchant young women that he may feed on them. By chance, he encounters a sleazy porn director who casts him in a vampire porn parody film. Cue many jokes about sucking and exchange of bodily fluids. Dracula is killed in the end by being staked through the heart with a stiletto heel. Was Dracula's son also a vampire? He was a half vampire. (laughs) And at the end of the film, he stops being a vampire through sheer force of will. He just decides not to drink blood. And after a while, he becomes fully human because the script was bad. Like, would you describe Angel as a half vampire because he still has his soul, but he is still, you know, garlic is an issue? No, I reckon he's a full vampire just with some weird. The baby from the fourth Twilight is a half vampire. No. David Cronenberg looking thing. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe not. No. Because they turned her into a vampire. So she survived. No, no, I'm not getting into Twilight (laughs) details. Um, I could, but please don't. We haven't got time. When he was an actor, did he do his own stunts? Um, sure. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, the high stakes. Hey. Oh, God. Thanks for that. <laughs> so the, in the Peter Cushing one, it's not revealed that he's a vampire until partway through. Because um, he's a human. Well, or so they believe. The, the, the main thing to know about this film is that, by all accounts, it is absolutely terrible and utterly incoherent Uh, unlike the others (laughs) it seems that for the majority of the film he is actually just an actor who plays dracula but then at the end there's an implication that he was some sort of if not vampire then otherworldly being hence the castle shooting off into space does peter cushing say i have to go now my planet needs me and then the castle just moves off frame more or less yeah okay (laughs) John, which of these have you seen? I haven't seen any of these. I'm in a world first. <laughs> I don't think I've seen or heard of any of them. I mean, there is porn Draculas. I, I could see John Carradine doing something like that. Yeah, but John Carradine did play Dracula, didn't he? He did in Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> was, was he not in Dracula and Billy the Kid? Was that not John Carradine? When did Christopher Lee's Dracula Hammer Horrors finish because this sounds like it must have been right at the very end and it feels like any article about him would have said and things ended in a tragic fashion with dracula and son 1977 which was dreadful he did 1971 ad for example 1972 and i think he got talked into it another once or twice afterwards and hated himself for doing it if i remember (laughs) right but then when it got into like the late 70s early 80s his career wasn't great and he was popping up in any no, so he, he could have done that. Peter Cushing was an odd choice for Dracula in that he's more famous mm-hmm. for Van Helsing. I think he did play him once, didn't he? Yeah, in, in Tender Dracula he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that title's so terrible, I can't believe Andy made it up. Tender Dracula. Yeah. I feel that Peter Cushing was fully there and then the orgy scenes were, I, I think he might have been caligula We're missing a couple of punctuation marks from the title because he's been asked how he likes his, his steak. <laughs> And so there's a comma and a question mark in there because wow. he's been wined and dined. Okay. Decision time, I think. In Tender Dracula, they suspect that he's a vampire because he drinks Bloody Marys. <laughs> Is that a girl called Mary? Who's I mean, the drinks? fact that he's just thrown that fact in there. <laughs> and he's smirking. 
I'm going to go for Dracula and Son, I think, because it's the least out there. Ah. They wanted Dracula for a toothpaste commercial. Exactly. But that makes sense. So, therefore, it's not true. <laughs> I really want Tender Dracula to be a real film because, yeah, I've got a That's couple of hours free. That's normally the sign that <laughs> yeah. it doesn't exist. Um, I'm going to go for Dicula as being made up. I'm going to go for Tender Dracula. Would watch all of them, but t- Tender is the Dracula. Tender Dracula is real. Yes! <laughs> I think it also goes by the name The Big Scare or mm-hmm. something equally shit. Honestly, from everything I've read, it's appalling and not even in a so bad it's good way, just incoherent mess. You'll like it, John. Excellent. Um, <laughs> and uh, Dicula is the one I made up. Um, oh. Dracula and Son is real. Um, Christopher Lee and his son Ferdinand, driven away by communists. It's a French film, actually. It's um, a French comedy. Um, and uh, I don't know why that is. And uh, Dicula, I just ran out of time and just (laughs) (laughs) went for a silly obvious pun excellent and that is all we have time for for today's episode thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed yourself and thought what a pleasant way to spend an hour why not pay it forward in the form of a review or a follow on our social media channels we're at nerdfest uk john what are you going to do for people who say nice things about us Anyone who says a nice thing about me will get a special tour of my factory with a 20% chance of surviving. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, you've been listening to... A man who's got his video camera ready to make Dicula a real film. (laughs) (laughs) A man who will not return to Oz even if you ask nicely. (laughs) I'll need a sound effect for this one, but a man who... Jesus. A man who's going to suck off a monkey. Or a, or a, I, thought, I thought the same, but a clown. Oh, it's the psycho, it's the psycho music. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it, yeah. yeah. That was stabbing. I was miming, not something else. My sister-in-law was woken up this morning by her cat who had come into the bedroom holding one of the kitchen knives <gasps> in her mouth. <laughs> wow. Um, she really wanted feeding. And I did respond with a gift from Psycho. <laughs> Very nice. A man who wonders if he should have gone with Detective Inspector Dracula. Yeah. And a woman who once ate a snozberry whilst riding a wangdoodle and has never been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of me strangling, John. <laughs> Got two minutes for dancing. Bye. 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 <laughs>